Who do you favor in Game 5, the Cardinals or the Braves? I favor Atlanta because they're at home, because they had this matchup. And, and, and Fulton Nevitz, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah. In game two, he beat Flaherty. I, I mean, look, these are good teams. Don't these are learn. very good teams. Don't you ever learn? Don't you ever learn? What? You know who's going to win this game. Well, this is, you can this, sit this here. Is you can do your this deductive, is your... stupid reasoning. Okay. My bias, who's got the most World Series victories in the National League forever and ever? The Cardinals. Thank you. I rest my case. So that's why they're going to win. win? They're going to win. This is the kind of game they win. This one's been over from the first. 10-run Cardinal first inning. There it is. The St. Louis Cardinals advance to the NLCS. The Cardinals beat the Braves in Game 5, 13-1. On the strength of a 10-run first inning. Why? 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 (laughs) What the hell is this? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Ryan, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Self, don't give up 10 GD runs in the first. Get it! And don't die. This is not the uh, weekly dose, really. Uh, I mean, I guess it is. It's the intro. It's me. It's a podcast that you can get once a week, generally speaking. But this isn't really the weekly dose as we usually know it. as frustrating as a day as you can possibly imagine, and it goes much further than just a baseball game. I will say, uh, just over two minutes into the show, that this is a day-after show. This is a reaction show. This is um, about the Atlanta Braves Game 5 and baseball in general, and just whatever ramblings that I have over the course of however long this takes. If that is not your thing, you need not continue listening. Um, There's your warning. Um, There's so many things to talk about this week, too, here locally in Chattanooga. Um, The county commission is at it again, trying to uh, get tax money to to pay for education, uh, pushed by David Sharp, a friend of mine from, uh, what district is he? Is it six? Is it two? Whatever. Hell, it doesn't matter. Uh, anyway, uh, wheel tax, 60 bucks a year, something like that to put together or uh, combine for $18 million for the school board. And uh, asshole Tim Boyd, commissioner uh, from uh, District 8, is at it and running his mouth again. We'll get to that more next week. There's Coyote Jack closing down or being shut down by the city, the slumlords that are the Burks, and um, a beer permit that was pulled uh, a couple months ago but still somehow continued to operate selling alcohol. All that is an interesting story here locally in Chattanooga. And um, there's probably more than that. Plenty of national stupid shit to get to as well. And none of that's going to happen today. If you are new to the show and you just want to hear about the uh, the debacle, the mess that was Game 5 of the National League Division Series, if you just happen to be 
tuning in or downloading or testing out the waters because you saw the right hashtag on one of the social medias, I welcome you Welcome you in. My name is Brian Stone. I am on this little tiny uh, music radio station here in Chattanooga, Alt 98.7, alt98.com and the downloadable app. And I do this podcast every week. It is just my commentary on the passing parade of my life. And today, the passing parade of my life is a National League Division Series Wednesday evening at around 5 o'clock. And there are times when I wish that my life could be simpler. I am a, uh, I'm a product of my own making and my own convoluted brain, which uh, I'm not meaning this to sound that it's like a positive, like it's this thing to be proud of. I have a brain that I just can never turn off. It's always moving at 100 miles an hour. That doesn't mean it's making any good progress, right? It doesn't mean that it's making any kind of quality decisions. It's just very difficult for me to shut down. It's part of my issue with sleeping, my just severe, severe insomnia mixed with, uh, you know, some alcoholism in there too. But my insomnia comes from my brain never stopping. And I, I like to collect. I like things to pass time. I like... I like things to be entertained by. I like, I, I cherish those things. I really value that kind of stuff. Part of the reason why I like baseball so much and music and cultural events and the, the kind of the study of the human condition. I like to read the room. I like to I, I, I psychoanalyze everything. And I know a lot of people, one being my, uh, my closest in age brother, there's four of us, and he would be the closest to my age. I'm the oldest. He's two years younger than me. He is what I would consider a simpleton. Um, and I don't mean these in derogatory terms, and I've often used it uh, in a derogatory way, and I don't mean it that way in this, in this respect, in this example. He's kind of a dullard. He, he's, he's so easily satisfied. I, wish, I, I envy that sometimes. I mean, he likes baseball. He likes a couple of songs, right, a couple of bands, but he wants, uh, you know, his vodka, his steak and potato, um, his Seinfeld reruns, and um, some good friends and some laughs on the weekend. And if that's if he gets that, he's generally going to be pretty happy. And I can be happy with that too. But if that's all it is, I'm I'm going to be miserable. I need more. I need more layers. I need more flavor. Right. I need more stuff. And when I don't get those things that I want, it is, it's agonizing and it's ridiculous when you really break it down. So my whole big point is he's a Braves fan too, my brother I'm talking about. He watched the game yesterday. He was disappointed by yesterday's game. But, you know, two minutes later he has a steak and potato and a, you know, a couple shots of vodka and he's out for the night and he's going to get up and go about his day. And I'm just not wired like that. And many of us are not. I'm not saying one's better than than the other. And then uh, actually maybe I'm saying that the more simpleton is maybe better because you don't have to deal with stuff like this. I spend an entire, not not an entire year, but damn near, uh, you know, two thirds or three quarters of it, you know, from February to October every year. Following every single move that this Major League Baseball team, the Atlanta Braves, make. 
I mean, starting in December, uh, pitchers and catchers are porting 110 days. And then, you know, we, when we have a good season, which is more times than not in the last 20 years, uh, the magic number is 31, the magic number 15, trying to be all creative with all this stuff, trying to have so much fun with it. And then when you get into a series like we just had, it really wasn't that much fun. I mean, portions of it was portion of it absolutely was um but more of it wasn't and this is happening over and over and over again we just this team just it's not a curse 15 years ago has nothing to do with the players on the field today it's not an organizational thing i don't think maybe it maybe it is if you wanted to break that down you know to a certain uh, uh specifics as far as philosophy but overall this you know the the failures the futility of this team 10, 15, 20 years ago has nothing to do with this team, and yet it happens again and again. And, you know, some teams go 100 years. Red Sox and White Sox and the Cubs uh, and don't win anything. The Yankees were dreadful for 30 years in the, the late 20th century, not, you know, the very end of it, the last decade, they were incredible, obviously, but the, you know, 70s and 80s, you know, the, the, the Yankees were trash, they were awful. Um, you know, to have this many opportunities to fail is a blessing, like it is. I used to, when I was younger and having dumber conversations, I won't even entertain this conversation because anybody who brings it up to me is a, you know, just such a numbnut, I won't do it. But the, for years, you know, like, hey, the Mar- Marlins got two World Series. I'd rather have that. Really? Really? You, you'd rather have a team for 25, 30 years, made the playoffs twice, won the World Series twice, and then have been dog-wretched every other year of their existence. You'd rather have that. You'd rather have that than what the Atlanta Braves have done or what even, like, the A's have done, the, uh, the Oakland A's. Or, you know, name some other teams, even the the Tampa Bay Rays, who have been pretty good off and on over the last, you know, decade and a half or so. That's not that's not true. Now, maybe the Rays is a bad example because they're mostly suck. But my point is, that's just a dumb argument. But anyway, let me slow down here and just set up today's show. It is going to be kind of a rambling mess. It's going to be one long segment. I have four pieces of audio from Freddie Freeman, Brian McCann, uh, the manager, Brian Snitker. And then Chip Carey, as he winds down the um, Fox Sports uh, uh, postgame show. And I'll do that at the tail end. And everything between now and then is just going to be me talking about this team and this season. And just the oddness that is the love affair with baseball for those of us that have it. Um, There are casual baseball fans. There are. Um... There's people who go to ball games just because it's a social event. Uh, that's not quite the thing in, in football and basketball and even hockey. It is at times. But generally speaking, it's not. You're, you're at those sporting events for more of a specific reason. Baseball can be a just, nah, just because, right? Why not? Let's just go. Because it is just that. It's a pastime. It's something to just pass the time around. Let's throw the ball around the yard. But for those of us who have grown up loving this game, it goes right along the same thing that I talk about with learned behavior often. It's, I mean, I wouldn't be a baseball fan if my dad didn't kind of instill that in me. 
Now, just because your dad loves baseball doesn't mean you do. But there's a good chance that that's going to happen if that's the way your life goes. And that's the way my life went. And over the years, I just more and more just, just I just I fundamentally get this game. Like it's one of those things where you see actors or you see um, uh, football players, other sports, other uh, uh, like amazing kind of talents that you can be like, man, I don't know how they do that. Like, I don't get how she can do or he can do that. Like, how the hell, you know, how did they break down that play or fundamentally? I can, I get how baseball is played. You could give me a month or whatever length of time to prepare for managing a baseball game, and I could sit in the dugout and manage a baseball game. Might not manage it well, but I can manage it to the to its finish. Look at some of these managers. They can't manage a game well regularly. Um, it's And it's not because it's not a smart game, because it, it very much is. You just really have to pay attention to the nuance of of what makes a baseball game great. And some people just don't get that, just like I don't get what other people um, think of as great in their world of, of talent-filled uh, kind of entertainment or sporting event or whatever it is. But this team... This year was incredible, and last year's team obviously was really good but came out of nowhere, and that's what made this one hurt so much worse. They are so much better. The Atlanta Braves, the 2019 Atlanta Braves, are so much better than the St. Louis Cardinals. I really believe that. I believe they're considerably better. Um, The Nats are better than the Cardinals. The Dodgers are better than than the Cardinals. The Brewers are better than the Cardinals. And I know the Brewers didn't win the division, but when fully healthy, the Brewers are a better team. The Cardinals pissed around and kicked the can around for the first three and a half, four months, and then turned it on. I mean, hats off, kudos, all the all the cliched garbage. Yeah, yeah, good for you. And the Cardinals just have that always seem to get it done kind of thing. What is up with that? How is that the case with some of these teams? Is that something I'm missing from a fundamental standpoint? Is that something that I'm not seeing from a front office uh, standpoint between the Braves and the Cardinals, who have always both been looked at as a gold standard of franchises from so many different levels? The difference is the Cardinals seemingly always win, and the Braves seemingly always lose for 22 years now. 22 years, dating back to 1998. The Atlanta Braves have watched the opposing team celebrate a playoff series victory now, after yesterday, 11 times. 11 times this has happened. And I'm going to break down all those winners here in just a minute by year. In the last 30 playoff games, over the course of about that same amount of time, since for about 18 years, 30 playoff games, the Braves have had a lead in a postseason series once, and that was two days ago. And then they proceeded to lose the next two games and get knocked out on their damn home field once again. In those 22 years that I was just speaking of, the Atlanta Braves have won two postseason series. And those were all since 2001. So for 18 seasons, 18 years, I was 21 years old the last time the Atlanta Braves won a postseason series. Also in those 18 years, 
The Atlanta Braves have not won a game one of any of those series, hence how they've never had a lead, right? I guess that goes right along with the uh, with the, the past 30 postseason games. These are numbers that no other team has to deal with. No other fan base has to sit around on Sports Talk Radio and then podcast land the next day and talk about. This is exclusive to the Atlanta Braves franchise. And you can look at it two different ways. One is, we're, we're not always anymore but we're so regularly in contention that this kind of just alien-esque, wacky, out-of-nowhere kind of uh, stat is there because we put ourselves in the position for that stat to be there. You can look at it that way, or you can be more simplistic and just say this team is a bunch of choking dogs. This franchise doesn't have what it takes to get to that next level since I was a you know a child, basically. And that 90s team was so different than the 21st century team. They're two different eras. They really are. I mean, Chipper transcends both of them, and maybe one or two other players does kind of a couple of the pitchers there, Smoltz and Glavin. But at the turn of the century, you know, Glavin and, and Maddox were on their way out of being dominant. Smoltz held on for another three or four years as he closed with that new role and then finished out his year kind of coasting out. But the two centuries, the end of last and the you know the first 19 years of this, are two different teams. That 1990s team won five National League pennants, five National League championships. If we could just go to, a first of all, an LCS, I'd feel like we won something amazing. But win a National League pennant, I would feel like that was close enough to a World Series title. I just want to win one more postseason series since I've been of legal drinking age. That's the last time they won was the year I turned uh, 21 years old. When they, I believe it was, uh, it was either the Astros or the Cardinals. I think it was the Astros. They beat in the NLDS in 2001, and then we lost four games to one in the NLCS to the eventual World Series champions, the Arizona Diamondbacks. So let's take a look at these years that the opposing team has celebrated a series-clinching victory on what used to be uh, Turner Field, now SunTrust Park. And for years, it just got to feeling like Turner Field was just a house of horrors. Like, there is no real good memory from Turner Field other than your anecdotal situation with your family and your friends and what you did to enjoy yourself. There is very few monumental moments that come from Turner Field. I've listened to it. I'm stealing this this concept from an Atlanta radio show that I listen to regularly. I'm just thinking of this right now. It just kind of popped in my head. They did a rundown of the be- of the of the best uh, moments from Turner Field. It was right about the time the, the stadium was closing and at the end of 16. And it was like, oh, my God, <laughs> is that the best Turner Field had to offer for, for as a memory of this team that was so successful? And I think one of the top memories was Andrew Jones getting walked in with the bases loaded to win the National League Championship Series against the Mets. Yeah, that happened. You remember that? <laughs> Andrew Jones got walked in by, uh, was it uh, Steve Traxel? Or maybe it was, uh, I don't know. But it that that's just how stupid the Mets can be. They lose a National League Championship Series in Atlanta. On, we, but that's as, that's as dumb as we are too, right? 
our biggest moment inside of from a playoff position from a playoff standpoint was us walking off the National League Championship Series. I believe that was in 1999 because then we went on to play the Yankees and they swept us. So um, it's now turned over to, to SunTrust, and we now have two opposing teams celebrating series victories in SunTrust Park. We'll start there. Well, not in 1999. We'll start in 1998. The Padres. Sterling Hitchcock. Remember that guy? Was a starter for, I think we lost that one, 4-1. to one. Maybe it was 4-2. to two. On the field, at Turner Field, the San Diego stupid Padres won the National League and went on to play the Yankees in the World Series in 98. In 1999, the uh, the Braves, as I just mentioned, got in by uh, defeating the Mets, and the Yankees just wiped us out. Four in a row. Two in New York, two in Atlanta. World Series championship, the Yankees at Turner Field. The following year, the Braves were not very good at all. Uh, they were lucky to win the division. I think they won the division with 88 games. Uh, I'm only going, best, best about everything I'm doing here is by memory. So uh, this is how much I, I follow this team. They uh, got swept by the Cardinals in 2000 at Turner Field. To, first two at, um, uh, at, at Bush Stadium, and then the, uh, the loss for the three uh, best of five was at Turner Field. I was in Athens for Tennessee, Georgia that day. Remember listening to the Braves and Cardinals on the radio. The Diamondbacks in 01 defeated us, as I mentioned before, as they went on to win the World Series. In 2002, the Giants run to the World Series, where they eventually lost to the Angels. They beat us in five games in Turner Field in 2002. And that brings me to 2003, and that was a fun year of my life. I was finally making a little bit of money, and I was um, I was done with most of the schooling I was doing. I was working in radio. I was working at the job that I have now, and I went to a few games that year, and that was a great, great Braves team in 2003. This year's team surpassed that year's record in overall home, home runs for a season. Javi Lopez, Chipper, Gary Sheffield... I think Klesko is still on that team. Might have had Brian Jordan on that team. No, no, no. We traded Brian Jordan to the Dodgers for Sheffield. Who else was on that? Doesn't matter. Whatever. That was a good team. And we went up against the Cubs in the uh, NLDS. And if you remember, it was Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood. They're big one-two. That was a very good Cubs team. That was the Bartman year. Um, if anything came out of that season great, even with that loss, was uh, the Cubs having the Bartman situation. I am a Cubs hater. I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. I won't spend a lot of time on it. But most of my family grew up in Chicago. I've been to Wrigley countless times, many times as a kid. And um, and I really love Wrigley. And I, really, I used to really appreciate the Cubs and thought I was a Cubs fan until that 2003 series. Those scummy, scummy Cubs fans are barely any different than Red Sox or Yankees fans, except at that point have never done anything to warrant having any kind of loud mouth. And that building was taken over by Cubs fans, and they were just scumbags. And I walked out of that saying, you know what? F you, Cubs. We went to game one, two, and five. I went to all three home games of that series. And um, just standing room only for game five, we just kind of last minute, well, we're going back for game five. Then, of course, Kerry Wood beat us once again on the field at Turner Field in 2003. 
In 2004, we went to Game 5 against Carlos Beltran and the Astros, and uh, I went down to Game 5 for that. Couldn't even get a standing room only. I was standing outside and down at the uh, the bullpen, the little crappy bar outside of Turner Field, and we lost like double digits, like 13, 10, 12 to 2 or 3 or something like that. In 2005, we lost to the Astros again, but that was, if you remember, the 18-inning game in um, – in at, in Houston, and that was we were up six to two, I think. After Adam LaRoche hit a grand slam, and I was calling all my friends, it was like it was going to be Game Five back at Wrig- uh, Wrigley at, uh, at at Turner Field on Monday night. We're going to Game Five. We're making all these plans. We're living it up. We're killing it. This is going to be so great. We're going to win finally. And um, then they came back, scored four runs in the eighth and ninth innings, and then it went eighteen innings. And we lost uh, when somebody hit a walk-off home run in 18 innings. Six and a half hours was that game. But that was not at home. That was on the road. So back to 2010, we win the wild card, Bobby's last year, and the Giants. Once again, we lose at home. They celebrate a National League Division Series uh, championship, uh, or at least it's not really a championship, a uh, clinching at Turner Field. In 2012, the very first wild card game, it was pushed upon the uh, the league because if you remember the year before, there was like three games that all came down to the final day of the season. The Rays were in there. The Evan Longoria had a home run to win a walk off. The Red Sox were involved in this, and somebody else. It was one of the more exciting days, really, in the history of baseball. And some think tank got this idea to create a one game playoff to recreate that very day the year before. In 2009, um, so or excuse me, in 2011. So in 12, all of a sudden, hey, we're going to do a wild card game real quick, and they crammed it into the schedule that was already made. And the first two wild cards were played on the same day, the day before the division series started. That's how late they implemented this. Now they put days into where they can fit them all in on opposite days. And the Braves played at five, and I don't remember who the other game was afterwards. And it was a day of the uh, uh, the Three Sisters uh, uh, Bluegrass Festival here in that first weekend of October that just ended last weekend. And so we played the very first ever wild card game, went up early, and then, of course, that is, you know, hashtag never forget the infield fly rule game, and we lost. In 2013, we won the division, won 96 games, played the Dodgers, and lost in L.A. We did not lose to them at Turner Field. That, you will remember, is uh, Juan Uribe with the game-winning hit or home run. I can't remember which one. While Craig Kimbrell stood in the bullpen out in the outfield with his arms crossed while Freddie freaking Gonzalez just said, I think we had Chris, was it Carpenter? I think his name was Chris Carpenter. He left him in there to get the final out of the eighth inning while your potential uh, on his way to Hall of Fame closer is standing there warm and ready to go. With, it's like a meme now with his hands, uh, his, his arms crossed. Like, and then later it's got like his hands out like, uh, the hell, dude. That series sucked, but that wasn't at home at least. Then there was last year with the Dodgers again. Clearly the better team. Wasn't even that disappointed in that loss because it was a fun series. Acuna hit that home, that grand slam. And you know we made it to the we won the damn division and nobody thought we would be even better than like third or fourth, and so that wasn't that heartbreaking. But once again, the Dodgers in eighteen 
celebrate a postseason championship on our home field. And looky what we got here now. Just yesterday in 2019, yet another team comes in to our house and defeats us and celebrates on the Atlanta Braves home field. Now, I could sit here and I could break down games one through five, and I can tell you how we should have get one game one, and I can tell you what went right in game two, and I can discuss the incredible ending of game three that gave us a 2-1 lead. I could go on and on about all the things that went wrong as to how we ended up losing game four when we should have won that one as well to close out the series, and I can talk about what the hell happened in the uh, 10-run first inning yesterday in Atlanta. I could do that. I could spend another 20 or 30 minutes doing that. But there's no reason for it. If you're listening to this podcast, you care enough to already know. So I'm going to start to put the wraps on this kind of abbreviated, short, quick, day-after show, review-preview show uh, break it down reaction show with some audio first here from Freddie Freeman, who says basically we failed. We didn't do enough. Uh, I would describe it as we failed. We had a really good team, team good enough to go all the way. And that's pretty much how I feel right now. Everyone had sky high confidence going into that game and, um, them scoring 10 runs. It's, uh, it's hard to swallow. Mistakes. We made way too many. Me personally. Freddie, knowing, knowing your position on this team, how much of this, of this are you going to take on your shoulders? All of it. Um, I didn't come through. Um, this one's on me. I absolutely love that man. I love that man, Freddie Freeman. He is a potential Hall of Famer. He is as quality of a human being as you're going to find, and he's one of the best players in Major League Baseball. And that guy just told you that he is owning it. That loss, that series loss, the failures of that team is all on him. And the thing is, that's not true. That's not true at all. This team wouldn't be anywhere where it's at without him. But he is so upset with himself and his performance, which it was dreadful, No doubt. It wasn't good. He is putting it all on himself. That is some selfless stuff, man. When you look around and see what people do on a daily basis, I don't mean just Major League Baseball. I just mean an average, ordinary, everyday walking around, numbnut dickhead walking around blaming everybody else. Not my fault. I didn't do anything. Hey, that's their fault. Hey, I wouldn't have done this if you didn't do that. We're all guilty of it. I love, love Freddie Freeman. Stay cool, bro. Stay real. That guy is the real deal. This is the manager of the Atlanta Braves, Brian Snitker, just following the 13-1 loss in Game 5 of the National League Division Series on Wednesday night. You know, we had a great year. My God, we won 99 games. Had a great year. And they're all hurting in there. I mean, we had huge expectations for ourselves, and uh, rightly so. I said, you know, you put this thing together, your goal is to, to get in the playoffs because anything can happen after that. I guess we saw that. Anything did happen. And, um, 
you know, I've, I've talked to a number of them already. Just there's not a lot to say. You know, a game like it's not a lot to say. I mean, it's pretty evident what went on. Um, you know, it doesn't take away from everything those guys accomplished throughout the year, winning a consecutive division. Um, <clears throat> it's, uh, yeah, but it still hurts. I mean, it, if we'd have lost five to four and, you know, one run game and it hurt, it, it, this one hurt. It, it, they all hurt. Um, and, uh, but I don't know that anybody wants to hear me say we had a great year. I mean, because the outcome wasn't what we wanted. You know, we had, you know, we kind of felt like, well, we are. We are a very good team. We're a really good team. We're a very good team. It didn't happen today. Yeah, they are a very, very good team. And another man I love is Brian Snitker. Here's the problem with Snit. Uh, He's a little too old school. The game has changed around him over the last really kind of a short period of time. You know, maybe 10, 15 years, maybe even more specifically the last five. This game's just played differently. It's managed differently from the top down, from the front office all the way down to the, you know, pitching coach or the bullpen coach. It's different than what Snickers used to. But he is he is a guy that that um, that players just adore. I mean, they adore the man. And there's no reason not to. It's like one of the, it's like the sweetest man alive. Like, this guy is so incredible. He deserves everything he has. He deserves to be the manager of this team, but he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be hired as a manager of any other Major League Baseball team. That's the, that's the absolute bottom line truth, is that we have a manager that no other team in Major League Baseball would hire as a manager. It just works out that he's a 40-plus year lifer in this organization. How can you not just respect that beyond any comprehension? How can you not reward this man with whatever he wants at his position? He deserves everything he has, but he's not a very good in-game manager. He overmanages. He uses too much old Bobby Cox school of of managing, which is the, the game is past that kind of style by. So I'm not mad at him. And I don't think he did anything totally egregious to lose this series, but he didn't do this this team any favors either. He really didn't because the game is just different than the way he manages. This team is just so good. They could still win despite his weird loyalties and odd pitching changes and just constant shuffling of the lineup throughout a game. Sometimes it's like, the hell are you doing, dude? But I'll give him all the benefit of the doubt. The thing that came across to me the most that night as I was watching the post game, I didn't watch one second, not one second of the game on Wednesday. And I'll explain why on the way out the door here in just a couple minutes. But I did get home um, in time to catch the official Fox Sports Channel uh, uh, post game show with Chip Carey and uh, Paul Bird and Nick Green and Brian Jordan. And um, I saw all the post-game coverage and highlights and sound. And this was something I was not expecting to hear. And it literally made me tear up. Brian McCann announced his retirement officially in the post-game after Wednesday night's loss. I mean, this is is everything that I I wanted to do. I wanted to come back and get a chance at the post-season. And, uh, you know, this is it for me. So... I'm gonna go home and be a dad and play with those kids. When you say this is it, what do you? This is yeah, it. yeah, this is it. This, this is it. 
it's, it's time to go. It's, it's time to, to, you know, 15 years of catching and, uh, you know, it's sad, you know, but it's it's, it's time and, um, you know, I, I knew about a month and a half ago. So, so he is officially retired, and I don't know that any true, real, you know, deep-seeking truth Braves fan thought that there was probably much chance that Brian was going to be back with the team next year because let's just be honest, he had a nice first half of the season, you know, a couple moments in the middle to second half. He was he looked pretty lost at the end of the year. He was tired. He can't run well anymore. He can't throw anybody out. He can still hit some home runs occasionally if you get one over the middle and against a, some crappy middle reliever and some junk team in August. But as we saw in the postseason, he really couldn't do anything. And, um, you know, he's 35 years old. Sometimes just you know, father time, right? Wins every time. Father time is undefeated, as they say. Um, coming up through the organization back in the uh, early 2000s into uh, 2004 and 2005, Jeff Rancourt was the big hot shot. Like that guy, you know, he was going to be the na- the natural on the Sports Illustrated uh, cover, as uh, most of us will remember. He was the next big thing. and But there was always a story, and I would follow the Mississippi Braves as they came to Chattanooga here to play the lookouts. And I always, every year, I look for whoever the hot shots are, and I go try to go see them at the ballpark. And Frank Coor was just the rock star. But there was this guy that he played high school ball against that was a catcher, kind of a tubby kid, named Brian McCann. Now, he was a prospect that had some upside right they it had it had some potential there but it was not on anybody's list of some kind of top prospect and i remember even getting frank coor's autograph at the stadium at the lookouts i have several of them and pictures with him and everything i i really got excited when he came through because he was just so freaking good uh for a few years there and I remember even telling some friends of mine, like, hey, there's there, there's the guy, his buddy that he's hanging out with. Like, that's that, that fat kid uh, catcher. Uh, apparently he's, you know, all right, too, I guess. I don't know. Never tried to get an autograph. Never tried to get a picture. Never cared because he was not on that top prospect list. Well, the Braves had an injury early 2005. I think it was Johnny Estrada, if I remember right. I think he got run over. Is that the year he got run over by Darren Erstadt? I think from the Angels, and got clocked at home plate, and he got knocked out with a concussion. They brought up McCann early, before Francoeur, because they needed a catcher, and he immediately started hitting. And then shortly after that, Francoeur was called up. And then all of a sudden, you look around, and there there were the 2005 Baby Braves. And in the end, McCann went on to have an incredible uh, career. He won a World Series. Uh, I don't know if he won an all-star game MVP with the Braves. I remember that. And, God, he's just such an easy guy to love. And him and Frank Coor are still best of friends. And I bet that McCann, now that he's done playing, will be on the post-game shows and on the on, on some of the uh, media uh, coverage of the Braves down in Atlanta. And my final clip here, and then, I'll again, I'll explain how I digested yesterday's game on the way out. This is the final uh, couple of minutes. It's not two full minutes. It's like a minute or so or 45 seconds of the Fox Sports Go coverage from Skip Carey. And, yeah, he's already got me doing it. 
129 days until pitchers and catchers report. So, guys, uh, an era ends with the announcement of Brian McCann retiring. But as an era ends, a new one begins for the Braves beginning in 2020. Yeah, 129 days till pitchers and catchers report. If I can have the luxury of three, uh, I would say the honor and privilege of covering this team for you, Braves country. You guys made this season so special. The way you rocked this place all summer long, watching our games, listening to the games on the Braves radio network as well. Uh, tremendous fans. Atlanta is a great baseball town. Braves country is a great baseball country. We are so grateful for your support. The work and cooperation of the Braves front office, Brian Snicker and his staff with us, all the insights that we gave, and of course, uh, the players themselves. They made it a labor of love for all of us, and I can't wait to be back with each and every one of you in 2020. And Chip Carey is so right. Atlanta is a great baseball town. It really is. And yeah, maybe great's a, a, a touch of an over uh, overstatement. But it's a very, very, very good, and I will say a very great, passionate fan base. The thing is, here's the thing that the national audience won't, or the national coverage won't give you, is that the majority, well, I won't say the majority, but lots and lots of the fan base of the Atlanta Braves are not in Atlanta. They were the America's team before there was such a thing. There are Atlanta Braves fans all over the country. And the whole Braves country thing, the little slogan that started several years ago that at first I thought was kind of dumb, but in the end, I think actually uh, really is a very good marketing plan because the way they do it through college football nights and they go all over the Southeast. The Atlanta Braves radio network is the biggest network uh, of any professional sport in the United States. Think about that. The Cowboys, the Patriots, the uh, uh, the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers, all these monster markets. The biggest radio network of any sporting entity is the Atlanta Braves because it covers like 10, 12 states. It truly is Braves country. Kentucky, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, uh, North Carolina. These are all filled with Braves fans. They just don't all happen to live in Atlanta. And I don't know if you've been to Atlanta recently, but the town sucks to get around in. There's so much I love about the city of Atlanta, and I, I go way back in my endearment with this city. But just, I mean, let's just be honest. You know, as adults here, trying to do anything in that city, it, it's it's virtually impossible. So sorry if they don't fill up every stadium every single time, or sorry if the the Cardinals fans who have transplanted, or the Red Sox fans who have transplanted, or the uh, uh, the, the Dodgers fans who have transplanted to Atlanta take up a lot of the seats at the stadium. Hell, I'll let you count how many people are in the seats and who they are and, and who they do or don't root for, and I'm just going to worry about the team and whether they win or not. And that's been the uh, the biggest argument over all these years. Why don't Atlanta support their team better? Atlanta supports their team. The Braves country supports their team as much as anybody, if not maybe even more than anybody outside of Boston, Chicago, and New York. But anyway, I could do a diatribe about that for a long time, which I won't do. Um, as I wrap things up, so it was uh, Wednesday the 9th. And I was uh, I was at work, and it looked like it was going to work out pretty well that I was going to get out probably after the second or third inning, maybe. Maybe by like 5.45, maybe 6, so missing about an hour of the game. And a playoff game is so damn long, so that's not that bad. I was feeling pretty good about it. And, I, and I've got uh, uh, Hulu live on my, uh, on my phone, 
And so I was going to watch the game right up front, but I just I didn't want to. I got done listening to all the pregame, and I was just working on some stuff, still playing a little catch-up from vacation. And um, and I just pulled up the Google uh, kind of uh, box score live updates, and then I saw two to nothing, and I saw three to nothing, and then four to nothing. And this is all in the course of about like ten minutes, like maybe fifteen minutes. And uh, then I saw five to nothing, and then seven to nothing, and then ten to nothing. Now my text messages are flowing in. I'm on Twitter. Starting to lose my bleep. And it happened so fast that I I almost didn't care. I mean, I did. It was just different. It was just like, ugh. <laughs> Excuse me. You know that it's it's like that Walter White breaking bad thing where you're you're so I think it was when he couldn't find the money in the in the crawl space, and he's like, no, what? No, no. <laughs> and he just starts laughing. It was almost kind of like that. It was just like, uh, all right. Well, of course, this is how this goes. And so I decided to slow down on trying to finish anything I needed to get done. I uh, took my time uh, doing some more catch-up. Stayed on Twitter and, and text message and just, you know, had some fun with it as much as I could. Because that literally, it, it, it stunned me so much, I almost didn't care. And then between, and then I got home and then I watched all the post game And then I've had, you know, time to digest this. And I've had time to get mad, get sad, get angry again. And in the end, it, it, it just, just makes me think, it is just baseball, you know. It's just a baseball game. It's not really that big a deal, right? I mean, look around. Look at all these things going on in our lives, in your friends' lives, in your family's lives that are, like, terrible, you know, or that are wonderful or whatever. And just and, and, and then think, does, does a baseball game matter? Should it matter like this? Should this be something that irritates me so much? And... um I've asked myself that question before, and I, I, I think that it's, I think it's okay. I think it's okay to let a game like this, something that's especially that's so enriched in American modernized history, you know, since the the late 19th century, early 20th when it took off. I mean, the the fabric, the stitching of America in modernization of what we know of this of this country, the game of baseball evolved at the same pace over the last 110, 20 years. And it is such a great game. And there's something to say about teamwork, learning to be humble, learning to be, learning to, to how to, how to celebrate, how to conduct yourself and how to be a professional that that sport can bring out of people and can bring the exact opposite as well. It teaches lessons. All sports do, but I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I hate, 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 hate that this season is over. But um, that is all I'm going to do for now. Thank you so much for being here for this now going on nearly 50 minutes 
of a podcast that kind of breaks down yesterday and kind of doesn't. Once again, this is kind of what I do. Talking to a microphone until I don't feel like talking into it anymore. At Stone on Air on all social media is how you can get a hold of me. I uh, do a lot of different commentary on Twitter. Um, Facebook stays pretty close to the vest. Uh, Instagram is mostly amongst friends. Snapchat's a bunch of uh, dumb shit I don't want anybody else to see. And uh, Twitter's where I kind of let loose. Either way, regardless of where you are on social media, it is at Stone on Air. Thank you so much. I love you to death. If you're a local Chattanooga person, I'll get to some local Chattanooga topics next week. If you are a Braves fan who just happened to find the show, thank you so much for being here. I love you just as much as anybody else, regardless if you ever hear my voice again. 129 days until pitchers and catchers report to spring training. I'm off to a Titans game likely here pretty soon. I will now officially focus my attention towards some football and uh, the coming winter that is going to ruin me. All right? Y'all have a good one. See you later. Bye.